Welcome to New Hope's teaching podcast. This is an excerpt from our Sunday morning service. Visit newhopepdx.org teaching for notes, worship, and church announcements. Stay up to date with our teaching series and events by downloading our app. Just text New Hope PDX app to 77977. Enjoy this week's lesson. How's it going, New Hope? Uh, The church is the body of Christ. It's the hands and feet of Jesus called to do good in the world, called to make things right. Jesus is our head. Because of that, the church is literally the hope of the world. But here's the deal, as we all experience every day, um, those who make up the church, we're broken and we're sinful and we drop balls and we mess up. Uh, So we continually as a church, we we need wake-up calls. And Paul's letter to the Ephesian is our wake-up call. Uh, In this letter, Paul is casting vision for what the church is meant to be as the body of Christ, what we're called and and created to be. Paul doesn't want us to read Ephesians as a list of things to obey. He wants us to read it as a story to enter into. With God as the showrunner, God's directing the action, and Jesus is the lead actor, but we as the church, the body of Christ, we're the ensemble bringing the story to life, and we play a really vital role. Uh, we're now in the in the fourth week of a series on Ephesians called Resurrecting Church. I hope that you're enjoying it so far. Last, uh, the first chapters, we walked through it. Paul is emphasizing our need to see ourselves from a different perspective, not as others see us, but to see ourselves as God sees us. Hopeful calling, vast riches, resurrection power. And he gives us this eye-opening prayer that we can pray over one another. I hope you're doing it, that God would open our eyes so we could see ourselves as, as God himself sees us. So that we can be equipped to be the church uh, in in the world. Last week, we dove into chapter two, which is the body of the letter. And that's really the script of the story. That's the, the story that we're all enmeshed in. It's a panoramic view. And as we look back, Paul tells us that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. Bad news. And we were also in a world, and we are still in a world, where there's this cosmic battle between good and evil. But God, Paul says in the Greek, those two words, but God, he intervenes into that chaos of our hearts and chaos of the worlds and through the death and resurrection of Jesus makes all things right. How does he affect this? By grace. That's the key component. We can't work ourselves out or perform ourselves out of this chaos in our hearts and in our worlds. We need a gift. That's what the word grace means. We need God to intervene on our behalf, which God did. But grace doesn't save us to just sit around on the couch at home and do nothing. Grace invites us into the story. And we see that in verse 10, the last verse that we looked at last week. Uh, Paul tells us that that we are God's workmanship or poema is the Greek word. We're his work of art created to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So we're saved by grace, but grace also empowers us and invites us into the story to make all things right. That's kind of bringing us up to speed on where we are. Second part of chapter two that we'll discuss today is the second part of the script. It's kind of act two, if you will. And we're going to do something a little different today. Normally, myself or one of the teaching team is 
preaching to you and and hopefully that generally goes well. Today we're going to have a conversation with some some new friends of mine. Um, so I'd like to introduce you to to Herman and Nike Green. Can you at home give a warm New Hope welcome to Herman and Nike? You can clap, you can cheer, and and so they're over here to to my right on the couch. So thanks uh, so much for joining us. Let me give you just a brief backdrop to how our relationship started, and then we'll hear from you guys and we'll get going on our conversation. Um, last year, when all these racial justice conversations started, at least uh, in, in churches like ours, uh, they've been going on for a long time, but <laughs> they were unavoidable, if, if I could use that word. Our church, a lot of churches responded differently, but my heart was, okay, <clears throat> we need to listen and learn. That was my first impulse. I don't know what I'm talking about here. So we did that. I've done that over the last year. And some staff from our church entered a cohort where we're learning. We're still listening and learning. What I, what I also felt deeply was that I didn't want um, my heart and our church to be directed by polarizing voices on the far right or the far left. To be honest, I want our church to be directed by the voice of the Spirit of God mm. so it creates space. But additionally, mm. I'm a huge fan and wise people that are in the game and doing the work. So I, I was praying like, what's a relationship God brings somebody that like I actually like and respect? <laughs> that was my that was my prayer, and uh, and and I don't need to go into how it happened, but God united our paths, and we've been building this friendship, uh, this potential partnership in ministry. And, and I've been delighted. This is like probably our, our third or fourth date, right? It We're is. past the awkward kind of first right. date stage. And so one, uh, you, you guys are pastors. You're doing good work in the city. You're heavily involved in the community as well. And you'll, you'll talk about that throughout, throughout the interview. I trust you. You're wise. You're doing the good work. So part of this is a relationship and a conversation, but also continual listening and learning on, on, on our behalf. So um, can you give just a brief intro? Act like the folks at home have no idea who you are. And Herman, you got to be brief. I'll keep telling you that, right? Thank so, you. like, Thank like you. for each of you, like, <laughs> like a minute or two on who you are. What do you do? What do you want the people to know? And then we'll get into our conversation. Fantastic. You want to go ahead? Okay. All right. Um, my name is Pastor Herman Green. I co-pastor at Abundant Life PDX with um, my amazing wife um, to my side here. And we've been doing ministry in North and Northeast Portland for well over uh, 20, 20 plus years. Um, we've been doing prison ministry. We've been doing community outreach work. Um, really, the focus of everything that we do has been around um, enhancing empowering, equipping um, our community to be the best versions of themselves. And oftentimes that takes us into homes of family members who um, they're not really feeling the whole Jesus thing, but they still need to be loved. And so that allows, this allows us, this ministry allows us to, to love on families and never have to say in Jesus name to just be the love of Christ. And that within itself has brought more people into a conversation, a dialogue around you're different and what is it that makes you different and how how can I have a, a taste of that that makes you different. And so that's why I continue to do what I do. I love my community. I love God's people. Um, I love being able to, to share that God loves everybody, no matter where you're at. Um, and that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I got four um, amazing kids. Um, they're all smarter than I am. They all do more than I do. Um, the wife that I have that's sitting next to me, I'd say the only mistake she's she's made is that she didn't back out 
That's it. She said yes. And three months in, I asked her before she had a chance to figure out that she didn't want to do this. And then we got married three months later so that I can make sure she wouldn't change her mind. And now it's some um, 27 years later um, and we're still together. And God has just been amazing in our lives. So in a nutshell, that's who I am. And you'll hear a little bit more about me throughout the day. So that was pretty succinct for I was you trying. Nike, you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> Yeah, it should be an easy question, but it's so difficult in, in my world of not describing what I do versus who I am. And so I think what I want people to know right off is that um, I am an individual who connects uh, definitely as a mother, as a wife. Uh, I am a very competitive individual. And so um, I currently coach, um, the head coach of the basketball program at the high school. I've been an athlete my entire life. And that works why I love Paul so much because he talks about racing and competitiveness and there's no such thing as a second place winner. Um, no. I don't think that's biblical, but I just threw it in there. Um, I have four amazing children. I have two amazing dogs, boxers. Um, I love gardening. Yes, you do. I am a marriage and family therapist, and I wear a lot of hats, but what's central to all of them is loving people right where they are back to life. Yeah. And that's me in a nutshell. Great. Uh, let me just fill in a few bio things. So just for clarity, you're, you're both uh, pastors at Abundant Life PDX, which is in North Portland. I had the opportunity to come and see your church and have a meal in your community. It was awesome. Um, you're running for school board, so elections coming up. So we're excited about that. And then Nike, you are the director of the Office of Violence Prevention, which we'll get into that a little bit too, um, as well as being a family and marriage counselor, as well as being a pastor, <laughs> which is why you carry multiple phones all the time, it seems like. So um, I think some pictures are going to come up of your family and of your church so people will have that perspective. So let me let me just come back and talk to our church, New Hope. Uh Already, you heard me say racial conversations and stuff like that. So some of you at home are nervous. You're anxious. Uh, you feel your body right now. It's getting tense. Some of you are doing this already, even though no one's there with you. <laughs> Let me just tell you, there's no agendas here today. Um, I hope you could already feel that we love each other. We're friends. We're, we're, we're followers of Jesus. He's the king of our lives. We're trying to make all things well. There's no agenda here. and But we're also going to have an honest conversation. And some of you to maybe the far political left or the far political right, you may not agree with everything with it. It's okay. That's okay. Here's what we want to be as a community. And this is key to being a follower of Jesus because we're called to be disciples, which means apprentice. That means we're always listening and learning. And so I would just encourage you when you feel this happening, just take a deep breath. Maybe some of you need to do it right now. It's okay. It's going to be okay. We're all in this together, which is a line I read off the website for your church. So I think that we share that. We're all in this together. We're all going after the same thing here. So let me, I just wanted to say that to set our conversation up well. So um, Herman, you're going to pray for us. Okay. And then Nike, you'll you'll come out of that prayer and read the scripture. Sound good? Sounds, Sounds good. Great. Uh, dear most gracious Heavenly Father, we pause before we ask anything just to say thank you. We thank you for this space. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this gathering. We thank you for this conversation. And may this conversation lead us the way that you would have us to go. May it, may it expand the kingdom. May it draw us closer to one another and draw us closer to you. We know that you're going to guide this. We know that you're going to direct us. We know that you are in all things. 
and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Nike's going to read the passage that we're going to converse about uh, for the next half an hour or so. So go ahead and take it away, Nike. All right. I'm going to read Ephesians 2, starting at verse 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Whew. All right, Amen. that preaches. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll just so you're following along, and we'll, we'll discuss it kind of in three chunks. So I'll set the stage for each discussion, and then we'll, we'll learn from the two of you. So in this, in this first part, uh, this is kind of like divine warfare part two. So Paul's talking about how, you know, we're in this cosmic war with evil. We talked about that at our church a little last week. People want to know so much more about that. So I promised to do a series at some point. <laughs> but the cross dismantled those powers. And it says that at the end of chapter one, that Jesus is above every power in this age and mm -hmm. the age to come. But the evil one's defeated, but it's not over yet. It's mm -hmm. still out there, right? And someone once gave me this analogy of like, it's like D-Day. Like the, the historians say when, when we won D-Day, it's mm -hmm. over. The, the battle was over, but it took a long time to vanquish mm -hmm. the foes. So we still have evil. We're on the front lines every day. You guys have a ton of stories. I have a ton of stories of the evil in the world. So this is what Paul's talking about. And here's the, the nexus of our conversation today. I think that Paul is saying the main tactic of the evil one in the world until Jesus finally puts the evil one away is to divide and conquer. Exactly. In Paul's context, um, the division point was Jew and Gentile. And he talks about that in the passage you read. It was an ethnic division. He even, it's funny, he talks about how in the churches, in the Asia Minor churches, they were calling each other names. So the Jewish people were calling the, the Gentile, uh, or, or they were calling one another circumcised and uncircumcised. So going back and forth. So that's, uh, I don't know if I've ever been called that or used that, but you know, it's <laughs> fill in the blank, right? I think the point is not to get lost in the ethnic divisions, but the divisions that the evil one uses. So we have like nation against nation, race against race, political party against political party, mask wearers against non-mask wearers, the trailblazers against whoever they're gonna play in the playoffs, which that's probably, you know, we, that's a good division. We, we wanna give it. But here's here's the deal. We, I think as, as pastors, we know this, but I wanna invite our people into it. Every day we get out of bed and we know 
the playbook of the enemy. Mm-hmm. The playbook of the enemy is to divide and conquer. That's correct. Whenever we see division, it's of the devil. When we were talking earlier, another basketball illustration, which I know Nike loves, you know, with, with, but, and you don't like sports, which, you know, it's, it's okay. It's a, Whatever. Um, but when, when the Blazers have their final shot, right? Everybody on the planet knows what's going to happen. Everyone knows Dame's getting the ball, right? And so the other team's just got to stop it. So as church leaders, we know what's going to happen. It's not nuanced. The evil one just looks to divide and conquer and create chaos. Mm -hmm. So as pastors governed by the Holy Spirit, led by Jesus Christ, who makes all things one and brings all things together, that's our job. I think that's essentially what Paul is saying. So first question I have for the two of you, because I think um, I have great respect getting to know you or how you're unifying in your church and in your community. So I want to learn from you. From my perspective, we're all about the same age. Things seem more divided than ever. Um, and I don't know, it's even helpful to, I don't know how we measure that, but they just seem, seem really divisive, especially yeah. over COVID, coming out of COVID. Why is that? And like, what do you think is the heart of the division that we're wrestling with? I think there's a lot, there's a lot inside of that. Like right now, so you got the socioeconomic status that's dividing people like people feel like nobody at the top people at the top don't care about the people that are at the bottom if why why aren't they doing so much more for us and and we're struggling down here at the bottom but this like you're saying this playbook about division we know we know exactly where it is we know exactly where it's going to come from and people people get stuck in the midst of their pain And it becomes hard to see outside the window because they're so focused on their pain. They're so focused on where they're at that they feel isolated and they feel alone, that it's it's just me. No one understands what I'm going through. You start to hear that kind of conversation a lot. No one understands the pain that I'm feeling. No one understands the brokenness that I'm dealing with. No one understands the abandonment that I'm dealing with. No one understands the betrayal. You start hearing more and more all the no ones, the isolation, I'm alone, that scarcity mindset that I'm not going to make it and I'm stuck. And that is the enemy trying to trying to make you feel as though that this situation, this this thing that's in front of you is going to destroy you. When I look at it and I say, if we change the way that we think about the situation and stop seeing it as a, uh, a problem and we start seeing it as a opportunity for God to show out, we start seeing it as an opportunity for, for God to, to unify, then it changes how we respond to the situation. And then sometimes what my job is, to do is to come into the community and remind people that you're not alone in this. You're not the only one struggling to try to figure out how to mend the relationships between the, the black community and the white community. You're not the only one that's trying to figure out how to figure out how you're going to get your bills paid. You're not the only one who has a kid who has gone crazy and you haven't been able to get grips on it as a result of the different things that are happening in COVID. We're all dealing with this in different ways and in different facets. And what we need to do in this is come together and celebrate our differences. Celebrate that, you know what? I may not be going through it the way that you are, but we're all going through this and we are all going to get through this together. So now we change our conversation from a I to a we. Mm -hmm. We change our conversation from a your to an our because this is our, our issue to resolve. As a church, 
This is our issue. We can't wait for the government. We can't wait for city officials. We can't wait for the police. We can't wait as a church. This is our issue to step in and show the communities that we serve that there's a God that's that's greater than all of this. Yeah. So let me, here's what I'm hearing you say, because I'm going to have to tie you down on the couch. He's about to take off here. Like <laughs> I, I, uh, we all have differences. We're all different, mm-hmm. right? From skin color to socioeconomic to sports teams to politics, right? We're all different. You two are really different. I'm different than my, right? If we see those differences as an opportunity to divide, we have no hope. We need to see them as an opportunity to come together and be mm-hmm. stronger. Um, do you want to add anything? The division that's so rampant. What, yeah. what, I mean, you're 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 on the front. You get the first call when violence happens in the city. You and your team, so you see it tangibly all the time. Do you have any thoughts on why it's it seems to have never been worse? Yeah. So um, as gently as I will say this, we have forgotten who we are. So my first reaction to that is the church. Mm -hmm. And our Bible is very clear telling us to seek ye first the kingdom of heaven Mm -hmm. and all of its righteousness and all these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And somehow we, we have we have removed our focus on who we are as the body of Christ. And that means that we have forgotten who our father is. Mm -hmm. And if we have forgotten who our father is, then we don't know who we are. Therefore, his attributes cannot reign through us. And if his attributes are running through us, which is the hope and the love and and the faith and the temperance and the kindness and the gentleness, then when you come with gentleness, I recognize gentleness because, well, we have the same father, Mm -hmm. right? And so when we have done that and we've taken our eyes off to God, then we are in a huge identity crisis. And if you ever meet someone in identity crisis, then they are literally trying to survive. And when you try to survive, you no longer see anyone. Your focus is yourself, self-preservation. Self-preservation then brings in fear. And fear says no one sees me. No one knows me. No one hears me. And I am all alone. And the enemy has this great way of making that so loud that we all could literally be in the same church and feel like no one cares. In the same sanctuary and feel like no one cares. Be in the exact same house and feel like no one cares. The the division that the enemy is causing is not just to give him credit because our God is bigger Amen. Right. Our God is greater. There is not one thing the enemy can do without God allowing it. So if we begin to realign ourselves, then before we can talk about why there's division outside the church, who doesn't in theory have hope, right? Who doesn't know how great God is, who who sees the heart of man and not just the physical attributes. That's not looking about behavior because behavior is religion. Mm-hmm. We can have religion and know God. We know how to do church and Jesus ain't even in the house. But to have relationship, relationship draws us vertically and horizontally together. And we're not looking at the color of your skin or what you drive or your pay grade. The church is not a political side. It's the body of Christ. That's and right. we have lost that, which is allowed the back door of division to stink its head through and divide us in a way. We're supposed to be one body. And every part is needed, even the unseemly part, which we call the booty. It is. (laughs) 
Let me uh, let me transition us to the next kind of part of the passage, because Paul, like he does in the first part of chapter two, paints a dire scene. And so that's kind of what he does here. You're at each other's throats. You're mm-hmm. uncircumcised, circumcised, and you know, whatever it is for our church, you just named a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. right? Just fill in the blank. It, it doesn't matter. And we know that the evil one is behind that. So Paul transitions in, if you're following at home, verses 13 through 16. And kind of just like he does in verses 1 through 10, he gives the same rebuttal. He says in verses 1 through 10, he says, but God, God intervenes. God says no to that. I'm not going to stay at a distance. I'm entering in. I'm entering the fray. He entered through Jesus. Now he enters through his church. Right. This time it says, but now in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. the same thing. Paul's like redirecting them to what you just said, the death and resurrection. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. None of us who look to Jesus for hope can have a reason to boast, Paul says in verses 1 through 10, right. or say we're better than anyone else. And that's such the heart of division, which I think you were talking about, Nike. Let me just read a couple of these statements that are in verses 13 through 14 to show how dramatically Paul's moving from division to unity. And he says, those who are far have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 13, Jesus is our peace. I got to think that resonates with you, Nike, in your, in your, in your position at the Office of Violence Prevention. Uh, the two groups have become one. You can just see your Paul's preach it. He's like, come on now. Jesus has destroyed the dividing wall, the barrier of our, our hostility. He actually says that term twice, the barrier of our hostility. Uh-huh. He, in Jesus' purpose, Paul says in verse 15, is to create a new humanity, the two becoming one, thus making peace. He uses the word peace four times in three mm-hmm. verses. Both groups are reconciled to God through the cross. Jesus preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who are near. So Paul seems to be arguing that um, what unites us, and I think you you essentially both just said this, so I want to come back to I think it's such a crucial point. What unites us is far greater than what divides us. Mm-hmm. How can that central truth as followers of Jesus, as church people, how can that win the day and bring healing to the divisions in the church, but also outside the church, which I loved your original vision. It's not about just being the being the church is, is yes, we gather together, we're the church, but it's meant to work its way out into our communities, bringing goodness and light and grace. So talk about that principle. We seem to start our conversations by what do we disagree with mm-hmm. instead of what do we hold central, which mm-hmm. is the most important thing. Talk to us about that. How do you how do you see that playing out in your church? How do you see that playing out in the community? You know, I can talk, but I'm. Oh, right. I'll jump in real quick, okay, President. You know, I'll, I'll I am, days. So uh, you know, I, I just think that Jesus was our perfect model in this. That's I right. mean, if you think about how many times individuals approached Jesus and and the disciples were like, "No, get him away," or, or like, so whether it's bringing the children in. Right. We're so from the very beginning. No, they don't belong. And he's like, no, unless you become like this child. Matter of fact, move. And he puts the child on his lap. Right. He's like, here's my best sermon illustration for everybody who doesn't think this child belongs. It's the story about the Samaritan. Right. And the very one that you think should be the healing the Levite and the priest, they pass by. But the very one that you guys have anger in your heart so much, you call them dogs, is the one that looks more like the kingdom, which is the Samaritan who stops and gives his all, even to the point of, and this, you know, I love what the Bible talks about during Jesus's time. There was a physical barrier 
of just getting to Jesus twice. One, Zacchaeus is in a tree. <laughs> Literally, he's like, I want to see Jesus, right? And, and Jesus is like, ah, I got you. Today I'm coming to your house, right? And there's just this way that Jesus is so making sure that people understand the kingdom of God, his love, the reason he's going to sacrifice his life is for everyone to the point where four friends decide, wow, we, not, we need to get this dude to Jesus. He needs healing. And it's a physical barrier, and they literally climb on top of the house and they rip it completely open and they, they bring him down through the roof. And Jesus answers right there. Jesus sits every single time while the church sits back and tells him who belongs in his family. And he says, no, every single time, Zacchaeus, I'm with you. He heals the man that literally rips up this person's house. And he says, I have time for you. And then he meets the woman at the well. He says, I have time for you. He's sitting in the dirt, dirty with the woman who's thrown down and caught in adultery. And he says, I have time for you. So there's this amazing thing that every time the church stands up and tries to decide who's in and out. Mm. Jesus was like, no, sorry, my love and my grace is sufficient. And he has shown that to us. And I think for us, we have to just remember, where are we? Are we at the well? Are we getting down in the dirt? Mm. Are we ripping up the church just to make sure that people get in because there's people that need us right now? Or are mm -hmm. we too busy? making sure we have a good seat, we have a good car, we go to the most famous church, like we're trendy enough, we got our coffee, we got our little, you know, our decorum is up to date, it, it, we have enough social media, yeah. we got our likes all in order, but we still will make sure that you're out and I'm in. Mm. And that is so not the model of Christ today. And the more we can find ourselves literally looking like the kingdom of God, which is diverse. It is so amazing. All the gifts of the spirit are operating. They are making sure the gift of helps and, 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 and it doesn't come in shapes and sizes. Like it no. just doesn't. I mean, it's, he uses the weirdest people. I'm just saying God uses, I don't know. I mean, I'm all to say we're Portland weird, but we won't let God use us. Why not be the weird ones that really model Jesus? Right. You want to add on? Man, to I, I'm in love with this this part of the passage. I mean, I, I couldn't wait to get to this part of the passage, actually, because, I mean, we, it's like by now in Christ, by the blood of Christ for his flesh, the, the unifying factor in all of this, the thing that, that tears down barriers and unites us all, regardless of where we come from or how we sit. It's Christ. He, he's always the answer. No matter it's not, it's not what I think, it's not how I feel, it's, it's not what I want. It's it's always about it's about Christ. And when you when Christ is the center, he's the centerpiece, he's the beginning, he's the end. It's it starts now in Christ. And then once you get things going, it's by his blood and his broken flesh. I mean, it's it's all about, it brings us all the way back to Christ. And we have to look at every situation, like how does Christ respond? What does Christ do? It's like, I don't even get to have an opinion. Thank God I don't get to have an opinion because I'll, I have Christ. And so what does Christ do? Who does Christ talk to? How does he do it? He's always bringing people together. He's always, the people that don't want to hear, he wants them there. The people that don't believe, let them be there. 
the people that he's talking to are generally the people that nobody else wants to talk to. The people that that everybody else is saying, no, I don't have time for that. Christ is saying those are the only people that I have time for. I don't have time for the ones that think that they got it all together. I don't have time for the ones that think that they know everything. I don't have time for the ones that think that, you know, they can't learn anything from me. The ones that I have time for, the ones that I'm called to are the ones that know that they need something greater than what they are. And this season and this time right now, as a people, as a body of believers, our job is not and this is this is where it gets it gets crazy. Our job is not to make the church feel good. Hmm. Our job is actually to make the world that knows that they're lost feel good. It's to bring the ones that are outside the church into the church. But we get comfortable wanting to make the people within our within our square, within our circle feel comfortable about about who they are. And it's not about you feeling comfortable about who you are. It's the people that God has called us to. It's the Zacchaeus in the tree. It's the, the lame man that's being let down. It's the, the woman at the well. It's the, the lady caught in the adultery. In every single instance, it was always, it was always someone who was caught in a broken state that felt hopeless. And then Christ said, I come to give you hope. He's the, he's the connection piece. And so when, when we do stuff right now and we have to look at it, right? To be the rebel, what does it mean to be a rebel? It means to go against the grain. Right now to be a rebel and, and to, to really be what Christ is calling us to be is to love the people that nobody else wants to love. And so for us, like this, the reason that this relationship is so amazing is because how do you take how do you take a, a, a white pastor from a, a different community and a black pastor from another community? And yet we get in the same room and we just immediately start connecting. I don't know you. We hadn't grown up together. We didn't go to school together. You don't even like sports. I don't like sports. Jeez, I can connect with Nike over that. We have a we have it's a conversation insane. and we just we click. And it's just like, how does that happen? In Christ, by his blood and his flesh. It was because Christ is the center of our conversation. Because Christ is the center of our desire. Then everything that we want is, is coming from Christ. And so now our relationship, it just starts kicking off. And, and it starts taking off. So now when I invite police to my house, it's like, why in the world would you, as a black man... Why are you going to invite police to your house? Because the police right now are, are feeling like nobody cares, like nobody loves them. Nobody is supporting them. Nobody believes in them. Nobody values the work that they're doing. Isn't that isn't that the Zacchaeus in the tree? Isn't that the woman at the well? I got to go a roundabout way so that I can get here and get what I need. Because if I go this way, everybody is going to talk about me and hate me. Is that not the same thing that a lot of our law enforcement officers are feeling. So when I invite them to my house to have a barbecue and then I invite family and, and different friends over to be a part of that same barbecue. And this is what one of the things we were talking about earlier. And I'm just throwing it in here now. I don't even know where it was supposed to go, but I'm putting it, plugging it because you come over to my house and you got law enforcement officers and they dress like he dressed and you got me dressed like. Wait, I'm wait, dressed. what does that mean? Casual. <laughs> I had to ask him, like, what are we wearing? Because you're not going to get me out there looking all dressed up to the nines. And then you come in casually. That's not going to happen. And so we 
we get them over and we're all like, part of you being here is you got to play music. People think that's crazy. What does playing music have to do with anything? Because when you play in your music, the stuff that you like, you're opening up a part of you that other people don't know about. And so you start opening up a part of you and now you start looking around the room and you're not the only person singing that song. And so when I do it, what throws people off, because you look at me, I'm a black man, but I always put on one of my stations that I love, Bon Jovi. And I always make sure that I go to the Slippery When Wet album because the Slippery When Wet album is one of the coldest albums ever made to this like, day. Oh, you just lost a generation who's like, who's yeah. that? And they got to know coldest means you <laughs> like it. Like that's like I, I, yeah. that means I love this. All right, so let me let me reframe. I love this. Let me let me reframe for our for our listening audience. Let me reframe the story, and I do want to take us to the latter part of our interview where we, where we have the two concluding verses, and I want you guys to begin to think, and I'll, I want you to finish the story. But I want you to give us paint some pictures of what you're doing in the community and your church to bring people together. And this is one of those stories. And that's that, part of right. OK, right? I see how that. Connects. So you you told me, well, I, I don't think they get like the the radicalness of the story because my mouth was like to the ground when you told me the story. So you told me if this is correct. When when new cops start in North Portland, mm-hmm. you reach out to them mm-hmm. and you invite them to a barbecue at your house. And you guys live right beside your church. Mm-hmm. And then you invite people from your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, in all the, the false dichotomy conversations, those two should hate each other, right? But you invite them on. They don't know. They're plain clothes, right? They don't know that these are the new cops, right? So they're eating food. And then you play Bon Jovi. That's a whole other topic that we have to talk about, about your music taste, about some other time. <laughs> but so people start like, you know, rocking out to Bon Jovi or shaking their head like this or whatever they're doing, right? And then at the end, you kind of do the big reveal of who your guests are. Yes. And that you get some pushback, that you get some conflict from the folks in the neighborhood, but that your heart is to embody the unity you see Jesus modeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that, am I telling the story you, correctly? You're telling it dead on because when you, there's no way to get to know people uh, really without really eating with them. You have to sit down with them. You have to take some time. You have to share. And when people start eating, they start revealing themselves. You start playing music. If we're all jamming to the same songs, then it's like, when did you first start listening to that? How do you know that song? And then you start sharing a little bit more about who you are and when you got introduced to it. You start realizing that you like some of the same foods or you don't like some of the same foods. You start realizing all these different pieces. And then when you make that public reveal, what you just revealed is the humanity in people. Yeah. I think that what made it radical, though, was not just that we had officers at our house, but this was right after, you know, um, Mike Brown, and then it was mm-hmm. in Ned. There, I mean, it was after several uh, police-involved homicides, and you know the nation is in uproar, and there's protests happening everywhere, um, and you know um, black and brown people are like fearing for their lives. And um, as 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 we even thought about this, I mean, we've done so much work within our community. Um, we serve in one of the local um, housing developments that I actually grew up in. Um, and it's literally where gangs started in Portland. And so uh, we, our church is committed to being a part of the solution and, and a part of mobilizing our community um, to be healthy because we leave nothing for you without you. And That's it's right. so much easier to, you know, make it and get out of your community. But, but, but everybody was really intense. And the first time we did it, um, one of our officers that we know very well was actually um, 
he was working that night and he had a new recruit, but they were actually on duty. And so, you know, we had worked really, really hard, like, no, come in plain clothes, everybody, just whatever. And so, you know, my, my daughter comes to the back and Herman's on the grill and we're preparing for everybody to come. And most people who know our house, they know to come through the back door. And she's like, please. I was like, what? Cause I'm like, I know she doesn't know these officers. She's like, mom at the door. And so like, she goes, of course, the opposite way. I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? So I walk and of course he's like in uniform on my front porch and he has his recruit on the front porch. And you know, if you're black and you got white neighbors, the last thing you want is police officers Hello. on your front porch looking like you're in trouble. And so literally it's like an hour before this is supposed to happen. And, um, you know, she's texting her cousin, something's wrong. There's police on the uh, porch and bump. But, um, he literally they came over just to say they weren't able to make it because he actually had to be on duty. But it set this tone and we had invited a few of our family members and family is loose in our world. So that doesn't mean they're biological, but um, some of our family and my daughter had already texted them that the police was at the house. <laughs> so they were like, I ain't coming. <laughs> Another person was like, oh, my tags are expired. Yeah, no, I'm not coming. Like all these weird, crazy nuances. But it was radical for a black family uh, to bring in officers. And they weren't all white officers because we have officers of color. But it was saying for us and for the officers, we got to provide a common space. And by them not coming in uniform, it started with humanity. And it started with common ground. It started with grace and love. It didn't start with the dividers. Mm. And that was made it different. Yeah, I'm going to, we'll have one final question. You guys can be thinking as I kind of sum up what I just heard from you. And, and it's going to be, how can we, our two churches come together and embody this together? But thanks for that, the story. It's um, in the last part of the passage, 17 and 18. It's this really weird analogy that most modern listeners probably don't get. And Paul's talking about the temple. And we know that in ancient context, when um, th they believed that their God ruled on the temple, that's the throne of the gods. So when you would conquer another nation, you come into their temple, throw out the God and put your God on. So Paul flips it brilliantly. He doesn't say we as followers of Jesus go to the temple. Here it is. He says we are the, we temple. Are the temple. When people look at the church, they're meant to see our God reigning. They're meant to see unity. And what breaks my heart, and I'll be honest, it breaks my heart is that people look at the church today and they see division mm -hmm. and that's of the devil. And why I love you guys and love that story. And there's so many more stories like that is that, you know, they're looking at your church and saying, God reigns, like, it's possible. And that's my deepest desire for the church in Portland, for the church everywhere is that God would see how we treat one another and how we love yeah. and say, God reigns. Jesus is Lord. You know, we're in this together. We're meant to bring people together in the world that's coming apart. Because what we have shared is so much greater than what divides us. That's right. Amen. So as I get myself together here, and thank you for your example and your story. And there are so many more. And as our churches get to know each other, I want to have you guys come back and, and preach. And we'll, we'll learn one another. But cast visions, as you said, Herman. You know, when you look at it at paper, it doesn't seem like our two churches should be like partnering together, right? We're in separate parts of the city. You know, we dress differently or whatever. You know, we'll have to follow up on that. I need to like get some tips from it. 
But like, as we've talked and, and, and I think the Holy Spirit's been generating in our hearts, like this common bond, like how can we come together and do good? Mm-hmm. What, what comes out of your pastor's hearts as you just dream two minutes, dream two minutes for oh, us? Man. What does that look like? I know we could go on and on. Yeah. And I know in, in you know, in, in black church, it's, you know, long uh, services, you know, yeah, but we, you know, our, our attention spans. As a as a black pastor, technically, I have five closes, and I I haven't even got to three yet. So I'm I'm like really out of my element right now. But go ahead, finish. Yeah, go. Well, you, you, you the two of you bring us home by painting vision of how our churches can come together mm-hmm. and embody this temple where people look at it and say, "Our God reigns." Yeah, like God God's on the throne. He's bringing all things together. He's making all things right. What does that look like? Just give us a couple things. Just dream for us. Right out the gate for me, uh, John is like. We, this is good that we come together and do this, like to have these kind of conversations, these types of dialogues, because we want to make sure that we're comfortable around each other, comfortable enough to ask a a hard question without it coming off as, oh, I'm a racist or, oh, I hate this or, oh, I'm that. I I don't understand. And I, I feel comfortable being around people that I love as to where I know they know me, they know my heart, and they know that when I ask this question, that it's coming from a place of genuine concern, but you don't get there overnight. So in order to get there, what I imagine, what I see is us coming together to not do church, but to do life a lot more than this, where it's, we're going to be having some stuff up at the park. I'd love it if you guys can come. We're going to be having, you guys are going to be doing something over here. We would love it if you could come out just so that we can see each other in proximity. Mm -hmm. Because for oftentimes it's, we're never around each other enough to, to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And so we're always feeling like we're we're walking loosely. The step number one is just that we would just figure out ways for us to come together. I mean, I want to be invited over to somebody's house to eat. I want to, you know, I want to talk to people about what's going on. I want to go to a kid's graduation when we can do graduations. I want you to come to my to my barbecue when we're in the backyard. I want you to come to the the um, parking lot events. When we're in the parking lot. I want to see us doing doing life together as we're doing ministry together. And if you've got different things going on, then I want to come. I want to bring, maybe I can't bring the whole church, but I can bring two or three people from the church. If you, if we've got something going on, I want to be able to invite, Hey, can, is anybody want to come out and be a part of this where it becomes natural? It becomes natural to say, Hey, uh, Bundle Life's doing this over there. Anybody want to go out there? I want y'all to know where it's at. Where I want to be a part of the bulletin. If you got a bulletin that goes out, I want to be such a regular that I'm in the bulletin. I, I want people to be like, hey, um, has anybody heard from, you know, Pastor Nike or Pastor Herman? Anybody? What, what they got going on this week? You know they always doing something. You know, Pastor Herman talk your ear off. Mm-hmm. So don't sit down with him too long because he won't let you go. I, I want that type of that. But that only happens um, by us initiating what we're doing right now and then being open which is what I'm hoping that we're going to begin to see a lot more of as to where people know I can call Pastor Herman myself. I don't have to go through anyone. I'm putting I'm public record 5037190372. I just put myself out there. Anybody ever want to call me because that's the kind of stuff that I do because you never should have to say, well I got to go through so and 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 so to get to someone when you we're all what do you say we're in this. It's Christ that brings us together. In him. When you read the, the latter part of that, he said, it says that it's joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. We're being brought together in him. And so because this is happening in him, we 
He's our unifier. So it's like you, my brother. That's why we clicked so well, because your father is my father. I think, I think that that's a perfect way to end this. And I'm going to ask you to pray, Nike. Um, thank you. Uh, uh, we're, I'm genuinely excited. It's like, I can't wait. I'm ready to come to a barbecue and a Hello. picnic and be, be part of things. And this is just the first conversation of many. This is the first time. Um, I hope to, if you're willing, that I can come preach at your church. Man, I, you already I, know. They don't give me many amens in my church. And so I, I, keep, I keep telling them, like, I, I, need, I need some of that love. <laughs> and, uh, so this is the, the first conversation of many. I know you're both super busy. Thank you for how you serve the city. Deeply grateful to see followers of Jesus serving the city. And thank you how you serve the, the church. So can you pray for us, Nike? Absolutely. Great. Thanks. Lord, we thank you for just being so amazing. We thank you for your spirit of peace, even right now. Mm. We thank you for joy, joy that's unspeakable. And in a time where we should possibly, according to the world, just be in sorrow, God, you have brought us hope. You have us smiling when we're all the way at the same time crying. You you give us this this ability to laugh and find joy. And God, we just thank you for that. We thank you that you have elevated and demonstrated today how important for it is for your church to look like you, full of love, unified, connected through your blood, through the sacrifice that you made on the cross. And so we right now are humbled at your feet and we say thank you, God, for what you're doing between these two churches, between our neighborhoods, through our community. And, and we boldly speak that we claim Amen. this territory. We the claim the unity of the body of Christ. We, we claim peace and grace amongst us. We claim that you reconnect mm. the jawbone, the knee bone, the shoulder, and most importantly, the heart back to God. And we pray for an abundance of unity and yes, collective God. impact through the kingdom of God. So we lift up you from the earth that all men will be drawn unto you. All men and women will be drawn unto you. All men and women yes, will be drawn God. unto you that your kingdom will be full. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Amen.